you might be wondering why I have a box here. Um, I'm really nervous that the lid's going to fall off. I don't know if you can see the number on that box, but uh, there's 5,000 jigsaw puzzle pieces in here, and I'm really nervous they're going to fall on the ground. Uh, so let's just hope that doesn't happen. But why would I have a jigsaw puzzle here today? I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you walk into a room and you sense that everybody else in the room knows what's being talked about and you don't. Is it just me? Socially awkward as usual. But I I, I get a sense as I was preparing this week that that's kind of what's happening here at the moment. There's, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but a lot of people have got no clue what's happening. And it's, I'm thinking about this, because I don't believe it's a communication problem, I think it's a connection problem. And I want to speak about that as I bring this message today, because... I think God's got the solution for us. And the solution is the jigsaw puzzle. So lean in, listen up, and uh, I want to share a message today as part of our series called Metamorphosis. If you were here last week or you dialed in online to catch the launch last week of a new teaching series we're doing, it's an eight-week series running through June and July, and we've called it metamorphosis. Craig launched the message last week and he, he, that message packed a punch. It was full of content and he set the journey up really well for us, I feel. I went and watched the first half of that message again during the week to make sure that I didn't miss some of the things that he said. Now just as a little bit of a test, did anyone write notes and did anyone catch the four key themes on the Metamorphosis series. One in the front row, one over there. What was the first word that was part of the series? Who's got it written down? Awakening was the first word. The second word, there's real silence over this side of the room, I'm just not sure. Are you guys okay? Word number two. Prayer was one of the words. Yes. I've got it written down as number four, but prayer's a good word. I'll take that. I'm warming up for the auction, by the way, so I'm going over to this room now. What's, the, what's, the, what's another one of the words? Commissioned, commissioning. All right, and the fourth word? Ecclesia. Okay, these are the four words that we're looking at and speaking about through the series of metamorphosis. And whether you're here in the building, it's great to have you with us, by the way. We're not having to click the counter on the way uh, through, as you come through the door. It's great to have everybody online. We're kind of seeing this, just this expansion of, of what church looks like. Ashley read a passage of scripture at the beginning of today from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 18 is the key verse for this season, for this series in June and July. It says this, Paul writes, All of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. 
And the Lord, who is the Spirit, come on, wake up. The Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. This verse is where we find this idea of metamorphosis. Craig's better at talking about the original language in the Greek than I am. But in this verse, the concept of being transformed is metamorphosis. And uh, I had a definition of, of something that is visible, a visible, a visible transformation that happens before our eyes as form takes shape. A visible transformation. So it's not, it's not that we won't be seeing it. Another key verse that was shared last week is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Again, the same author, Paul the Apostle, says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed. There's that word again. Transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. So think about transformation, metamorphosis, as a visible transformation, as a new form takes shape. I mean, you could think, if you look at the artwork that we prepared for the series, you could think of a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. It's a metamorphosis. You could think of a young child that grows up and becomes a mature young man or young woman. Paul gives us another picture in this passage, and he says, if you read the full passage that Ashley read earlier from verse 12 onwards, Paul says, look, there's a veil that's removed so that you can see what God's doing. And the purpose of this veil being removed is that you would see Christ. But here's the kicker from last week's message as the beginning of the series. As the veil is removed and as we see Jesus, we become more like Jesus. As we see Jesus, what we're seeing and what, who we are is transformed in the mirror. As we see Jesus, we become more like Jesus. Now, with every good, there's a risk of the opposite. It's a really, really simple concept is that which you spend your time focusing on is that which you become. And I'm sorry to say, if you spent your entire season of lockdown looking at Netflix, you're going to become like what you're watching. If you spend your time in isolation living in fear of the what if, you're just going to be riddled with fear and everything you see is shaped by fear. Because what you spend your focus on is what you become. So as Craig said last week, staring into the image of Christ so that I become the image of Christ is the purpose of metamorphosis. So there's a positive, but there's a risk of missing it. And that's really why I started with this idea of a, a jigsaw. And before I get to the jigsaw, just let me... Just let me share one more passage of Scripture that will become my launch and my landing today. And it's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. Craig referenced this last week and he said, let me set it up by saying this, if the sun is shining and you go outside, you'll see the sun shining. If you close your eyes, you will not see the sun shining, but the sun is still shining. Where we look determines what we see. Ephesians chapter 5, 
verse 14 says this, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Some versions say Christ will shine upon you. And I really want to bring this home today because the, the, the message I'm talking about today is the first concept of metamorphosis, and that's an awakening. Awake, O sleeper. Christ will shine upon you. So I want to talk about awakening. Three things that we need to wake up to, and I'll talk about each one of them. I'll give them to you now. We must be awake to what God is doing. That's number one. We must be awake to what God is doing. Number two, we must be awake to what the Spirit is doing in us. We've got to recognize what's happening inside of us. And thirdly, we've got to be awake to the season around us, the spiritual season, so that we can find our role in it, our place in the story. One, we've got to be awake to what God is doing. Two, we've got to be awake to what the Spirit is doing inside of us. And three, we've got to be awake to the season so that we can find our part in the story. Well, how many people attempted a jigsaw puzzle over lockdown? Anyone? Oh, a few of you. Good way to pass the time. In our house, it's a good way to pass a lot of time. I saw a photo of the Schuberts. Uh, there was like, your dad did one with like zebras in an elevator or something. It was just black and white. It was like, it was a little hard to look at on, on, online. Um, and then I see Caroline replied to that post with a, a, a puzzle of her own. So there was more puzzles happening. We had one in our house. It took six weeks. It was literally on our dining table for six weeks. I'm not sure why. Perhaps. But, uh, but jigsaw puzzles are a way to pass time. And, and, and look at this one. This is Grace's latest one. I don't know if you can see this, but there's no picture. It's just a blur of color that has no shape or substance to it. And there are 5,000 pieces inside this box. Like, at the risk of not dropping it, what I want to say to you is, I think our spiritual season is like this puzzle. Thank you. I think it's like this puzzle. There's 5,000 pieces in this box, and to me, if I come to you and I say, here's my bit of the puzzle, can you tell what the picture is? Do you even know where it fits? That's kind of what I feel like right now, although I've got, I've got a handful of pieces, and, and I, got, I don't have the box lid, so I don't even know what it looks like. Now, what I'm starting to do, though, is I'm starting to put things into color. Because that helps with this kind of puzzle, apparently. This is the pink bag. This is the green bag. This is a kind of a blue bag. And there's about seven, five, no, 4,700 other pieces. <laughs> I've got no idea where they go. I need all the help I can get, Doug. It's exactly right. Here's my point. I think the spiritual season post-COVID for the church, can you please remove that? Before? I'm so nervous, I'm going to tip it over. The, the season of, co- of the church post-COVID is like this puzzle. But it's a family puzzle. And I haven't got all the pieces Some of you are carrying the blue bag. Some of you have just got one little orange piece, and you're like, what on earth is this? But if you don't bring the piece to the puzzle, we don't get the picture finished. 
and we sure as heck don't want to lose this pink one. What's my point? The season we're in is a family season. We've all got something to bring. We've all got a part of it. We've all got contribution to it. You know, there were days where I avoided the puzzle on the dining room table because I just couldn't face it. That's reality. But there were other days where we stood over that table for hours, determined to fix a corner or to finish a shape or to get a color right because we wanted to work on it and we wanted to see it finished. So my invitation at the beginning of the series as we talk about awakening is that you would bring what you have, you would come and be part of what's happening, that you would be awakened. Today I'm talking about awakening, and and the question is, well, awake to what? Very consistently through the prayer times that we had over lockdown, the Zoom room and the subsequent, we're now meeting, you know, three times a week for prayer, uh, still on Zoom, and God is consistently saying that the season is about revival, the season is about renewal, and the season is about an awakening. Those are the three key themes that are coming out. And I'm speaking with a prophetic voice when I say this, and I'm saying it in faith, that a move of God in Te Awamudu is imminent. Those are the specific words that stir my spirit in faith that I have to keep proclaiming in faith because even if I don't see it in the natural, I have to believe it in the spirit before it takes shape before me. There is a move of God in Te Awamudu that is imminent. Now, that's awesome. I don't know what that looks like, which is why I've got the box of 5,000 pieces. I don't know how long it's going to take to finish the puzzle because only God is in charge of the seasons. But prophetically, there's a big difference between when the Spirit of God says soon and when the Spirit of God says imminent. There's no time frame on it, but there's a sense that it's close. And I want us to wake up to that because as we position and posture ourselves ready for it, then we have a part to play in it. This is why I would call you all and invite you all, every single one of you, to be a part of the encounter night at the end of the month. We're going to come together and we're going to prophesy what God's saying by His Spirit about the revival, the renewal, and the awakening. We're going to sing songs like we've sung this morning. And look, I know they're new, but there's a new season, and a new season requires a new song. If you pray what we, if we pray and sung what we did last year, we're just going to get what we got last year. We've got to sing about where we're going into. All right? The songs of ascent in the book of Psalms were all about the pilgrims singing songs as they went on their journey to Jerusalem, and they were singing about what they would see when they got there. That's why songs have got such a prophetic sense. What's the purpose of this awakening? Here's a, here's a line that I wrote down in my journal several weeks ago. Catch this if you can. What if the new wineskin of revival is more about reformation of culture than the addition of souls to the church? What if the new wineskin of revival is more about reformation of culture than just the addition of souls to the church. Yeah, you did not hear me say, I don't care about salvation. 
You did not hear me say that I don't want people added to the church. But what if God's heart was about mobilizing an army to bring a transformation to a city or a town that his kingdom would come and we would see multitudes shifted and society changed as a result of the army of the Lord in action. Come on, I need an amen to that. Come on, we need to understand the church is not a building. We learned that through lockdown. We need to understand the church is not a meeting. We learn that. It doesn't matter whether you're live or here. Church is us. It's people. It's an organized body of believers mobilized in line with the purpose of God for the mission of God, which is the transformation and reformation of society. That's what church is. And that's what we want you to catch in this season. The metamorphosis of Zion people is not what does the meeting look like and which order we do things in. The metamorphosis of Zion people is the mobilization of a transformed body of people that carry the Spirit of God that want to see this town changed for His kingdom's sake. Come on. This is the church. I'm calling you out to be the church. Next week, I'm going to speak on being commissioned, and I'm going to stir you. I'm going to provoke you. I'm going to, I'm going to push you until you fall off your donkey like Saul did, because I want the transformation that comes out of the encounter and the confrontation that is necessary for you to change. I might not be polite, but I am purposeful in doing that, and I just pray the grace of God covers all my weaknesses. So we'll wake to three things. Awake to what God is doing. We must be awake to what God is doing. In Exodus chapter 3, we read about Moses. I've got three characters for you this morning. One, two, three. Number one is Moses. Awake to what God is doing. Moses is going for a walk in the bush. He's 80 years old. He's been in the bush or the desert 40 years. He thinks he's missed his purpose and his calling. 40 years ago, he killed a man and was ostracized, self-propelled into the desert to hide from his destiny calling. 40 years. This is why that prophetic word that, that Julie brought and, and Nikita agreed. You, you already did it beforehand about people losing their dreams. This is why this is so important. Moses was awakened in the desert when he saw a burning bush. Exodus chapter 3, just the first three verses. Come on, turn your Bibles to there. Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai, significant point, the mountain of God. What's Zion? The mountain of the Lord. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. This is a life-changing moment, an encounter between Moses and God. And how did it happen? Why did it happen? We need to understand that. First thing, why did it happen? You have to read the end of chapter 2 to find that out. Verse 24 of Exodus chapter 2. God heard their groaning. Who's there? It's the prisoners in Egypt. He heard the people in Egypt groaning. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people, and he knew it was time to act. God determines the seasons. God hears the groans of his people, and God determines that it's time to act. This is the moment we're in. This is the season. Why is Moses so significant? How did Moses make sure he didn't miss out? Verse 3 of chapter 3. Some translations write it this way. Moses thought to himself, 
I will turn aside and see what this is. We've got to turn aside. You've got to turn aside maybe from your normal. Maybe you've got to turn aside from your preconceptions. Maybe you've got to turn aside from your fears of being out of control when God moves in a powerful way. You've got to turn aside from your comfort, perhaps. You've got to turn aside from what you think God's plan is. Every single one of us must turn aside. I believe God is inviting you in the season of awakening to turn aside. But only you know what you need to turn from. Number two, we've got to be awake to the work of the Spirit in us. You've got to be aware. One of the greatest things that um, helps shift people in behavioral transformation, in my opinion, and don't forget, in my corporate world, I spent 20 years doing behavioral transformation of leaders, studying the science of it and leading people through change. One of the key things, in my opinion, around transformation of an individual is knowing who you are. My phrase that I used to teach it as was, know thyself. If you know thyself, you're empower, empowered to do something. A couple of weeks ago, I shared you the message from um, Isaiah chapter 6 and the first eight verses. I believe it was Pentecost Sunday. You can go back and find it on the live stream or the podcast. I want you to revisit that message. Because every single one of the messages, I've been going through them. Every single one of the messages this year are a piece to that puzzle. It's not random. God's just not giving me an idea on Tuesday, preparing it on Thursday so I can speak it on Sunday. God's strategically mapping a picture for us, and we've got to make sure we understand what the pieces of the puzzle are. The series called Beautiful Exchange. Oh my goodness, if you go back and listen to the messages in that series, which was February, which feels like a lifetime ago right now, but Beautiful Exchange, go and listen to understand why you would want to yield yourself to God. Isaiah chapter 6, he has an encounter with God. And Isaiah shows us what it means to be awake to the work of the Spirit. These are the four things I shared with you in that message. Number one, he had an encounter with God. Why do we gather together like this? Why do we put so much effort into preparing music and message? Why would we plan an encounter night at five o'clock in an afternoon and invite the whole town to it? I'm trying to set up an encounter for you, for people to come and get on their face before God like Isaiah did, that have a revelation of the bigness of God, the magnitude of God, the glory of God, that they would say, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips and I'm unworthy because I live in a people of unclean lips. And God says, don't worry about that. I'll clean you. I'll consecrate you, and I'll set you apart. Only God can do that. We've got to want it. We've got to get there. It's not just going to appear on your TV. He had an encounter with God. Number two, he had a revelation of the bigness of God. Number three, he was consecrated by God. And number four, Isaiah was commissioned by God, which is why we're going to speak about commissioned next week. What do I want you to take away from Isaiah chapter 6? The first eight verses. The response of Isaiah is the response we should have. He says in verse 8, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. When God consecrates you, he sets you apart for himself. You're consecrated by God, but you're also consecrated to God. You're set apart by God, but you're set apart to God. 
for his purpose, not yours, his. The third thing that we've got to be awake to is the season of God and our role in it. So repeat after me. I must be awake to the season of God and my role in God's narrative. Let's do it one more. I must be awake to the season of God and my role in God's narrative. Awesome. I've got to ask you this, though. It's just a little thought I've got. Has any of you ever asked a question of someone and then had them respond with, like, nothing near the answer to the question? Like, any married men in the room? You know, like, would you like, would you like soup for dinner or would you like steak for dinner? And the response is yes. Or what about, you know, wives? Come on, it's two-sided. What if uh, a wife or a partner, might, a female might come into the room and say, well, do you like this outfit? And the response is, well, how much does it cost? <laughs> None of you, right, obviously. Just our house. How frustrating is that, though, you know? When you ask a question and the response you get is actually not what you want or not what you, not what you ask for. Joshua. Joshua was the leader of God's people. He's our third character. So we had Moses, we had Isaiah, and in this third part, this third part of awakening, we've got Joshua. I want you to look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 to 15. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 to 15. Joshua was near the town of Jericho. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or are you foe? No, the man replied. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. So get in the context of the story. Joshua is the leader of God's people. In Joshua chapter 3, as Nikita referenced, God had said, get yourselves ready, for tomorrow you're going to see the Lord do amazing things in your midst. And the people got themselves ready. A couple of weeks ago, I preached out of the beginning of Joshua 5, and there was this uh, ritual that uh, was taking place. So Joshua is standing there as the leader of the army. He's looking up at Jericho, which is a fortified city on a hill. There's doubled walls that are impenetrable by man's strength, especially considering as his army are bandaged in the groin and feeling a little sensitive after their circumcision. And his army is like immobilized, and he's looking at the city, and he's going, God, you said we were going to possess this land. And if he's like me, he's a leader with no clue, and he's out there by himself wondering what on earth God has asked him to do. Welcome to my world. And Joshua's looking at the walls of Jericho and a man approaches him. And Joshua asks a question and he doesn't get the answer. And herein lies the problem that we all face. But, but let me just talk about me. 
So I'm going to put myself into this story. You get to watch, and hopefully you get to connect with something for you, but also recognize what my world's like. When we face a battle, when I face a battle, I have this contest going on. And here's the conversation that Joshua has. Joshua says to the man that's standing in front of him, who is Jesus, by the way, Jesus, personified, stands as the commander of the Lord's army. Theophany is one of the words for it. He's standing there and he says, are you friend or foe? No. But I'm God. Here's a problem when we're on this side of the equation. Here's my mistake. I ask God a question and he doesn't answer it. And the reason he doesn't answer is it because I'm asking the wrong question. God, I'm really confused right now. Post-COVID, what does church look like? I mean, half our church is sitting at home in their dressing gown, which is awesome. We're glad you're with us. Um, the coffee's great. The cake's good. Like, I'm loving this atmosphere of worship. The new songs are amazing. God, I haven't got a clue what to do. Yep. It's taken me a while to figure this out. God, I'm obviously asking the wrong question. Yes. Yes, you are. Why would the commander of the Lord's army turn up when Joshua has his own army? Why would God disable Joshua's army to, sac to sanctify them and prepare them for a fight they weren't going to fight? God, I'm really confused right now. Here's the problem. Here's my problem. I've been inviting God to help us to fight the battle. And God said to me, it's not your battle. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And where you're standing is holy ground. Put away your sword and begin to worship. How often do we invite God into our problem and forget that he's the answer to the problem? Man, I'm having an epiphany right now. You're welcome, by the way. Because I, I, I'm, I'm guessing I'm not the only one that invites God to fix my problem when he's got a different solution. God is inviting you and me to be part of his victory, not yours. God is turning up. The commander of the Lord's army, Jesus personified, turns up and stands before Joshua and he says, I am here. Your only response is to worship. You can read Joshua 6 for yourself. You can find out what happens. You know the story well. I'm sure of it. Are we aware of God's personal presence and his powerful provision? Are we aware 
of the victory that God has already ordained that rests in his strength and not ours. Are we willing to respond as Joshua did? Verse 14. Jesus says, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command. What do you want me to do? Man, I've got to stop telling God what he should do. Like that's an ineffective prayer life right there. Oh, you can yell at God all you want. God is inviting you into his battle. Not the other way around. Read Joshua 6 and see how it goes. Sometimes I like to rack you up and I like to say, you know, can I get an amen to that? So, I mean, this is a good word right here. You should say amen. But you should also remember what Craig taught us last week. That an amen is different than an aha. Because aha means, oh, yep, good one. But amen means, yes, I am willing. So when I get an amen, I'm looking for a yes and amen. As I've said, I believe we're in a time where the move of God in Tiamudu is imminent. Prophetically speaking, I wrote this phrase in my journal uh, because that first song, Rattle, it comes out of Ezekiel chapter 37. The, the principle of that song is Ezekiel standing before a valley of dry bones and the Spirit of the Lord saying, Son of man, prophesy and you will see these bones live. I believe that there's an angelic messenger coming to this place that is going to cause a rattle in this town, to cause the dry bones to cause a rattling, to come together, to form shape, to form structure, to form strength as the tendons start to connect the body. And as the skin and the mobilized army stands up, people are going to see the church mobilized in this town. There is a move of God imminent, and I'm inviting you to wake up and see what God is doing. And please don't take that as a criticism. It's an invitation. I believe God is inviting you to be part of his victory. I think we need to be awake to what God is doing. I think we need to be awake to the work of the Spirit in us. And thirdly, I think we need to be awake to what our role is in God's narrative. And that's why we're going to talk about commission next week. And then on the morning of the 28th, we're going to do church really differently, but we're going to be the ecclesia. And I want you to be part of it. As I close, I want to um, just I want to close with scripture, because scripture is is uh, well, just you can't argue with it really. <laughs> I want to start with Ephesians chapter five and verse fourteen again, where Paul quotes this proverb: "Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead; Christ will shine upon you." Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. I also want you to remember the response of Joshua in Joshua 5 verse 14, where Joshua says, I am your servant, what would you like me to do? What would you like me to do? As I was studying these verses, I came across this verse. For those of you taking notes, read John chapter 5 and verse 25. John chapter 5 verse 25 Jesus says this, I assure you, the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. When the dead 
will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Well, you could say amen to that. That would be a good, that'd be a good time to say amen. It's a good word, all right? And finally, as I finish, I want to read you some of the verses from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all of Te Awamudu to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine upon you. Darkness as black as night covers our town, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations, all people groups, all ethnicities will come to your light. Leaders, mighty kings, politicians, government rulers will come and see your radiance. I'll just skip right to the end. Verse 19 of Isaiah 60, as I close. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set. Your moon will not go down. The Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. All your people will be righteous. They will possess their land forever, for I will plant them there with my own hands in order that I will bring myself glory. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for the sense of the move of God that is imminent in our town. I thank you, almighty God, that you are waking us up to your season and your purposes for each one of us. God, I thank you that we can trust your Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting, to do the hard work, to create life where there seems no life. And Father, I ask that you would send the wave of your fire, the breath of God, the wind of the Holy Spirit, the move and the power of Pentecost in our midst, that each one of us would turn aside to see what you're doing, that each one of us would respond with, a Lord, what would you have your servant do? Lord, that we would see you lifted up in this town. The glory of the Lord would be our light in Te Awamudu. Awake, O sleeper, that the light of Christ would shine upon you. Amen. Amen. Do you want to explain?